Welcome to Abuelas en Acción, a podcast for our common good. I'm Marie Dahlstrom, and Dr. Rosemary Salayan Alston and I are so happy. Uh, we are co-hosts of this podcast, and we're so happy to have you join us. We're talking with guests uh, about the importance of all of us making our voices heard, especially during this presidential election, by voting, voting for candidates who commit to serving our common good, uniting us and addressing existential crises like climate change and the COVID-19 pandemic. There are many issues that are important to us. We are joined today by Antonio Arellano, Interim Executive Director of JOLT Initiative, as we focus on the importance of civic participation and voting. Founded in 2016, JOLT Initiative is a progressive civic engagement organization focused on building the political power and influence of young Latinos in Texas. JOLT Initiative's Uh, are focused on community organizing, leadership development, voter engagement, and multi-issue advocacy. Through these efforts, JOLT serves to elevate the community's collective voice to engage and transform our democracy. JOLT's high school and university chapters across the state here in Texas mobilize around issues such as student debt, racial and immigration justice, healthcare reform, and climate change. Antonio Arellano is a multimedia journalist and human rights advocate who has been nationally recognized as one of the most influential young Latino voices in the United States. Originally from Michoacan, Mexico, he served as a social media correspondent for KTRK ABC 13 in Houston, Texas, prior to joining JOLT. His social media accounts combined reach an estimated 100,000 millennial voters. That's amazing, Antonio. He uses his platforms to engage and empower the youth to fight for immigration reform, racial equity, LGBTQI issues, and civil rights. Antonio's consistent innovation has garnished national attention, and he has been featured in national publications such as the Washington Post, Vice News, HuffPost, and USA Today. We are honored, Antonio, to have you here today with us. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, your bio and all of the work that you and Jolt are doing is amazing. And we thank you for all you're doing. Could you please tell us a little bit about your journey to this point in your life? Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you again for inviting me to be a part of your show. Um, you know, I come to this work um, out of necessity. You know, I think that it's important to recognize that for many of us, Uh, though nowadays activism seems to be trendy um, and everybody's involved, for, for 
folks like me, I, I come into this field because I want to win back the resources, the respect and the representation that my community deserves because we've gone historically underrepresented and ignored for so long. Uh, I believe that in this moment in time, we must live up to the ideals of this nation and hold our country accountable for the promise it once made to be a land of equality and justice for all. I myself am a DACA recipient. And so I recognize the challenges that my community faces, particularly the undocumented community in this country who on November 3rd will sit by um, in hope that America makes the right decision and that we move our country forward, not backwards, and that we begin to recognize the contributions of immigrants in this nation as a beneficial um, contribution to our nation, to recognize that by increasing the, the, the influence and the power and the opportunities for marginalized communities, we make America richer. I grew up in a small town in Georgia, uh, Dalton. And growing up in Dalton, I used to listen to Univision with Jorge Ramos and Marielena Salinas. And it was there that I became so enamored with the opportunity to narrate history as it happened. I wanted to give a voice to the Latino community that I saw being targeted and neglected so often. So shortly after graduating high school, I asked my dad to make the trip to Texas to move to the Lone Star State because I recognized then that the Lone Star State is ripe for change. You see, Texas is undergoing a seismic demographic shift where Latinos are uniquely positioned to be the majority of the population in six months. The Census Bureau says that by 2021, Latinos will become the majority of the population in Texas. And with that comes a lot of political power. That is exactly why I wanted to be in Texas because I recognize it as ground zero for transformative change uh, on behalf of the Latino community. Harris County, which is home to Houston, has the second largest Latino population in the country outside of LA County. But it's also home to the second largest population of Nigerians outside of Nigeria. And it's home to the second largest population of Pakistanis outside of Pakistan. You see the diversity of Houston today is what America will look like in the next decade. So by making sure that we activate ourselves and show the rest of the country what is possible in Texas, we give the country a blueprint to move forward into an era of opportunity and prosperity for everyone. Antonio, I am so happy that you convinced your father to move to Texas because you are doing amazing work. And I uh, am a newcomer to San Antonio here in Texas. Uh, five years ago, moved from Oregon to follow my daughters and granddaughter here. And I remember people saying to me, why do you want to move to Texas? It's they're all white people there, they're racist. And, and my response to them was because there is something 
great happening in Texas. And we are truly, I'm, I'm so excited to be at Ground Zero. And this podcast, Abuelas en Acción, was a way for us, uh, Rosemary from Arizona, in partnership with Families en Acción in Oregon, to be a part of the seismic change that you're talking about. Tell us about JOLT and what you are doing specifically to mobilize voters for this presidential election. Uh, JOLT is building a movement of young Latinos across Texas to transform the Lone Star State. And we're doing this through a multi-pronged approach. We're investing in leadership development. We're investing in voter mobilization and get out the vote efforts. We are making sure that we're harnessing the power of Latino culture through our art, um, to make sure that we allow Latinos to see themselves reflected in the political process. So here's the thing. In Texas, uh, people have often say, Latinos don't vote, or Latinos don't come out and vote. Um, and we at JOLT recognize that this is due in part to the fact that nobody has invested in our Latino community in the way that they should. You see, both political parties need to stop looking at Latinos as a given entity and start looking at Latinos as a constituency that demands recruitment and investment. Historically, our community has been under-resourced and there's no real educational components to activate the power of the Latino electorate across the state. JOLT seeks to change that by going into Latino majority neighborhoods and speaking directly with our brothers and sisters and neighbors and letting them know that they are soon to be the majority and that it's time to make a mental switch from minority to majority. You see, people like me have grown up listening to the word minority and being to refer referred to as a minority over and over again in our textbooks, in our classrooms, on the news, in the newspapers. Minority is how they refer to us. But the reality is that in six months, as of 2021, that would be factually incorrect. Latinos will be the majority. And with that comes a lot of political power. So we need to make the switch from minority to majority because that mindset is everything. When you live in a mindset where you refer to yourself as a minority, you feel that you are afforded what minorities should be given. You don't see yourself as powerful enough or as a majority to be given the best that this country has to offer. And we want Latinos to see themselves reflected in politics as a majority. You see, today, Latinos cannot see themselves reflected in the Texas governor's mansion. They don't see themselves reflected in the legislative body. They can't find themselves in the congressional delegation that goes to Washington out of Texas. As a matter of fact, here in Houston, there has never been a Latino or Latina mayor home to the second largest Latino population in the United States. And young brown and black boys are growing up and girls are growing up unable to point to someone who looks like them, sounds like them, or shares a name similar to theirs in the history books. That has got to change. If we want Latinos to get involved, we've got to recognize that our Latino community is culturally, ideologically, and linguistically diverse. We need culturally competent campaigns that reach out and address all of our concerns. The recognize that Latinos care deeply about immigration, but we also care about healthcare, 
about racial equity, about climate change, about a, a multitude of different topics. And we want candidates to address all of our concerns, to have a plan and to prioritize the Latino vote from the very beginning. Antonio, I love what Schultz is doing, all of your um, the community leaders and other Latinx across the country in expressing their opinions and being vocal. Um, from a generational perspective, um, I think for um, my generation and that of Rosemary, we are baby boomers. We grew up um, uh, speaking out, but it was um, we were careful how we, uh, in many ways, um, uh, presented issues. We knew that we were being discriminated against. We knew that there was so much inequity, um, but we were not as vocal as we could have been. And your generation is teaching us that this is doable and to keep pressing forward because change is needed. Uh, one more thing I want to say um, before I, I ask you the next question, and that is thank you also for holding both parties accountable for how they have not done a good job of engaging Latinos. Uh, my daughter and I, my, both of my daughters, uh, I raised them to be involved in uh, working on behalf of candidates that we supported. We would canvas in, in neighborhoods, we would do phone banking, etc. And of course, we continue to do it as most as recently as last week to get um, people registered to vote here in Texas. But it, it, it's so often been a lonely experience for myself as a Latina when I see that, you know, um, both parties work to get the vote and that's it. And, and put us in a category of simply being focused on, we want immigration reform. As you indicated, we are broader than that. And we want relationships. We want to be heard and be a part of the movement, uh, an ongoing movement. So tell us, what is at stake for Latinos in this election? There is so much at stake. I think the stakes couldn't be higher this election cycle. We have uh, a Latino community that has been terrorized for the past four years. You know, it was just last year that a man drove from Dallas to El Paso to shoot Mexicans at a Walmart in one of the most horrific terrorist attacks on the Latino community in American history. Our community is still reeling from that. We have an administration that seeks to divide, that seeks to dehumanize, that seeks to... Um, um, discriminate against our community in the hope of diluting our power. But at Jolt, we let our members know the reason that we are under attack, the reason you are being categorized in such dehuman dehumanizing ways is because we're so powerful, is because we're the biggest threat to the status quo. You see, the birds pick at the best fruit. And in this moment in history, Latinos are on the verge of greatness. And if we choose to activate ourselves in record numbers, mobilize in ways we've never done before, we won't just decide the next presidential election, we won't just transform Texas, but with 38 electoral votes, with 36 congressional seats that the Lone Star State holds, Texas has the power to transform America. 
And the responsibility is on our Latino community and on the uh, campaigns that seek to court our vote. You see, you have to earn our vote. In Texas, you know, Latinos grow up with a sense of family and respect. And we have been disrespected all the way from the White House to the governor's mansion and everywhere in between. And it's time to fight back and demand our respect. And the way that you demand respect for your family is by going and voting for a future that's inclusive, a future that provides opportunity, that creates space, and that recognizes our full humanity. You see right now, as this global pandemic tears our community apart, in Texas, we make up 40% of the population, but we are over 50% of the death rate. That is absolutely due to the incompetence of our state leadership. We need to recognize that for what it is and demand justice at the ballot box. We need to recognize that in this moment where our community is hurting the most, we have been let out and, uh, and hung out to dry. And that's just not going to work. We need to recognize our full power and potential, recognize the opportunity that we have within our own hands and start to demand equality, respect, and representation. You know, many Latinos and other people of color have historically not believed their vote has counted. And there's an enormous amount of confusion, Antonio, uh, regarding all of the information that they're getting either from their family members, the TV, the radio, which many of our elders are, are much more listening to in terms of auditory kinds of messages. Um, what can be different this time around? Uh, many of the ways that we communicate oftentimes are, are a challenge for our community to understand some of the terminology. It's almost built like it's supposed to confuse them in terms of what their rights are. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, it's a systemic and strategic approach to increase voter suppression. It's a way of diluting our political power. It's to make the process so overwhelming that you choose to opt out altogether. I encourage folks to continue to educate themselves on the candidates that seek to represent them in your district, in your city, in your state. Make sure that you understand directly and specifically who's running and what their values are. What are their policies and platforms and what and how they will benefit you. It's important that you go to the source. A lot of times, you know, visiting the candidate's website will suffice to get the full platform. But if not, encourage, I encourage you to visit reliable news sources, news networks and organizations that are uh, specifically catering to and focusing on the facts, right? And that's what we need to, to focus more on and recognize that the significance and importance of. Um, you know, I think that there is an educational component that's part of civic engagement, where we need to make sure that we are not just casting a vote, but a well-educated vote for candidates that will ultimately benefit our community. And we need to hold them accountable. The election doesn't end on November 3rd. Mm -hmm. After that, you need to make sure that these candidates follow through on their promises and that your future and the future of your family improves as a result of that vote. And if it's not, then you need to readjust. And in the next midterm or in the next election, you need to think 
wisely about who you reelect or who else you put in that position of power. In this moment, we also need to stop looking to the left and stop looking to the right for the next savior. We need to start looking to ourselves. We need to step up and fill the void. There's Latinos and Latinas that are listening to this right now. They may not have ever contemplating a political run. But if public service is something that you want to reconsider, I think that there's space for that right now. We need bold and fearless leaders in positions of power that understand our community from a firsthand experience, that know what it's like to have two, three jobs, that know what it's like to struggle to put food on the table. That's the type of representation that should be making up the makeup of Congress and state legislators across this country. Everyday folks like you and me who understand what it, what it takes to bring um, um, our country forward into a more equitable space for everyone. And, and, and public service is something that we want to begin to invest in and, um, and encourage our young folks to also consider. Because as you advance uh, um, and grow up, you tend to recognize that your day-to-day -day life is involved and, and, and involves politics. You may not care about politics, but let me try, let me tell you, politics cares about you and it touches every single right. part of your life. Right. And so we at Jolt are trying to encourage young Latinos to step up to the plate, to, to, to be the hope that we're, that we're seeking in this moment, um, because I think that there's space for that right now. Talk to us a little bit about the generational divide that can exist in our families, especially with our more elder family members having more of maybe a moderate or conservative views, um, given the younger families that may be more progressive. How do we talk about this around our tables? I think that's a great question. So I think that this is happening actively right now across our country. Uh, at the dinner table, there's conversations being had about politics or political candidates. But often is the case, the conversation about politics is one that we avoid. Um, the one, it's, it's a conversation that, particularly for first-generation Mexican-American or, or, or Latino-Americans, we don't enter or take up. And it's because we come from countries where sometimes maybe politics are incredibly corrupt. And so our grandparents or our parents may be so put off by the subject of politics. But in America, we live in a country where anything is possible. And we need to live in a country where democracy is real. And we need to make sure that we recognize that if we really organize ourselves in our community, we can bring about transformative change. I think that it's important that we share our differences respectfully, that we begin by recognizing one topic, particularly when addressing a generational gap. So you don't want to come to the table with your conservative agenda and try to feed it down someone's throat. You wanna talk about one issue. Hey, you know, hey, listen, grandma, I really care about climate change and here's why, and here's what's gonna happen. And here's how it's gonna affect my generation. Do you understand how it's important for me that you also vote in a way that benefits our future collectively and begin to have conversations about how does that make me feel? How does that impact my life? And, and I think when we begin to humanize the issues, right? 
then we are able to get further and advance the conversation. I think that we have to come to the table with open minds and be ready to listen to each other, but also be ready to share why certain issues are relevant to us. And I think that, you know, that's part of what we're trying to do with our new Abuela uh, Power PSA with Ana and Sara, who are leading this initiative, because they recognize that abuelas play a major role in our family. Often the matriarch of the Latino family are abuelas. And they teach us the traditions of our family and our culture, but they can also embed in us a new tradition of voter registration and voter participation. There are oftentimes, like many of our grandmothers would say, la sangre, la sangre de la familia, the blood from the family. Share some action steps that you, um, that our listeners may embrace here a little bit in terms of what families can, can do to get everyone to vote or to become more involved in their communities. I think you've touched upon it a little bit, but is there anything additionally that you would like to add? Listen, we have one of the most consequential presidential elections in modern history just right around the corner. It's important that at, that at this point you are making a plan. The plan is when are we going to vote? Who's driving? Can we all carpool? Um, you know, making sure that you have a plan to go vote early to make sure that you're voting the lines. Here's the thing. It's unfortunate that in many states across our country, Texas being one of them, we don't have vote by mail due to COVID. So it's imperative that we start to prepare accordingly and recognize that this election will have massive voter turnout. The last thing you wanna do is sit in a line for seven hours, shoulder to shoulder with people you don't know, particularly because of the current social distancing norms that are in place. So you need to make a plan. So tonight, commit to making that plan with your family. How are we gonna vote? When are we gonna vote? What day are you off? Can we go during early voting? And who's gonna drive the car? Let's go together. Let's make it a family event. Bring two or three of your friends um, and, and go You know, cast your ballot together. I think it's also important that we bring our young folks into the fold. If you have family members that are 18 and will be eligible to vote for the first time during this election, make it exciting. You know, if you are excited about going to cast your ballot for the first time, you're more than likely going to cast your ballot for a lifetime. So make it exciting. Be, share your pride. Mijo, mija, I am so proud of you for voting um, in this election. Um, and, and, and share how their commitment can create change. You know, I have a, uh, my niece, uh, Koraima, who voted for the first time during the 2018 midterm elections. Um, and like I mentioned, I come from an undocumented family. So Koraima was the first woman in my family who was born in the United States um, and who casted a ballot as an American citizen. And we made a huge deal of that. We recognized and celebrated Koraima's accomplishment because she was our collective voice. And we let her know that when she was casting her ballot, she wasn't just casting her own vote. She was casting a vote on behalf of her grandma and her mother. And so many of our ancestors who have worked so hard to contribute to this country, but yet have been overlooked for so long. It's imperative that we start to activate our community. It's imperative that we make a plan, but more than anything, don't forget to go vote on November 3rd. Antonio, you've been amazing in terms of sharing your passion and compassion because the stakes are high. 
the stakes are very high and the consequences can be severe if we're not united in a voice. Um, you've outlined many different things that people can do that don't cost money. Really, is, it's about reconnecting and our tables having the centerpiece. Even if we agree to disagree on certain issues, maybe we can agree on one issues. And it goes right back, like you shared, to our value system and what's important and what we can't give up um, in terms of this election or any other election as we go forward. In the late 1990s, there was a director of, of uh, Multnomah County He's since passed, his name was Dr. Floyd Martinez. He was a forward thinker and he brought in for Cinco de Mayo because we celebrated a little bit here and there in, um, in the county system, a people's magazine where he had redressed it with all Latinos as the centerpiece of people's magazine. And he said to the people who had attended, this is what our country is gonna look like. He never was able to get rid of that stigma because people were so angry with what they heard and what they saw. And yet the, the population growth is there, like you shared, um, just in Texas alone, in Arizona as well. It's really, this is not about the left or the right. It really is about what do we hold true and what's important to us in terms of keeping our democracy safe and keeping our, our communities safe. So Marie, do you have anything additional you wanna add? I just wanted to say thank you again, uh, uh, Antonio, for being with us. And I love your idea of taking one issue and uh, uh, bringing it to the table. Uh, I will be doing that myself. Uh, we, all of our families have um, uh, uh, certainly different political uh, beliefs, but I believe uh, one that uh, many of us can agree upon is that in uh, states like Texas, Arizona, California, Oregon, Washington, uh, the wildfires, the climate is getting hotter and hotter. So I think that's hard to negate and we can, we can uh, agree on that. So thank you so much. Absolutely. It's been a true pleasure. Uh, talking with all of you, uh, with both of you this evening. Um, I just want to remind folks who may be tuning in from Texas that JOLT is a statewide organization and we need your help. If you can volunteer for our phone banking or our text banking, please join us. You can get more information about how to connect with JOLT at joltinitiative.org. And plus, um, I thank you for mentioning that because that was next on our list is that you can also go to joltinitiative.org to see if you're registered and if not, uh, how you can register, not just in Texas, but other states. And a question for you then, uh, Antonio, can people from other states help with phone banking? Yes. We need all hands on deck. If you've got some time and you want to join us, we would love to invite you to phone bank with us. We're doing virtual phone banks, so you can join from anywhere in the country. We would love to have you. We will spread the word. Thank you all for joining us. Please follow us on Twitter at Abuelas en Acción. We look forward to having you next time here on Abuelas en Acción. Gracias.